I want to do a shout out to one of our amazing partners, Banzoogle. Now, Banzoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to build a stunning website for artists. Now, I have personally have used web builders for years. In fact, the 8020 Records website is maintained by yours truly. But honestly, these days, as someone who represents artists, I just want something straightforward that still looks amazing and works with everything that we use, such as Bandcamp, SoundCloud, Bands of Town, Printful, and so forth. And Banzoogle checks off all of these. Also, for those of you who have no idea how to build websites, don't worry, they make it super easy there too. You do not need to know a single line of code. In fact, after you sign up, they go step-by-step step through each part of the process to get you up and running. Plus, their pricing is practically the same as if you paid for a web host. So really, it's a no-brainer. Lastly, and most importantly, what I love about Banzoogle is the people. Every single person I've spoken to has been nothing but kind and extremely responsive and helpful. They truly care about the artists that use their platform. And honestly, don't just take my word for it. Go listen to my interview with Stacy Bedford, the CEO of the company. Banzoogle is also offering to all our listeners 15% off the first year of any subscription. Just enter the promo code 8020show or 8020show, like the numbers, on banzoogle.com. I'll also put it in the description. Built by musicians for musicians. Banzoogle. You're listening to The 8020 Show, an inside look into the music industry. Hello and welcome everybody to The 8020 Show. I am your host, Mike Zimmerlich, and in this episode, we're going to be discussing the topic on pop music marketing in rock bands. For this topic, we brought two artists. One is Brandon from American Standards, who is a returning guest, as well as Cody, a.k.a. the God Samaritan, who is a newcomer for the 8020 show. We had so much fun talking about pop music marketing in general, how it can be applied to rock bands, but just pop music in general, and just the marketing landscape of music and what it takes to really get someone's attention these days. There was so much to unpack, and I really hope you enjoy. Hey, Brandon. Hey, Cody. How's it going? What's up, Hi. Mike? Thank you for both for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Let's act now like we haven't been talking for the last 30 minutes. I know, right? It's the pre-interview to the interview, if you will. I got to vibe it out, man. Absolutely. And I'm glad, Cody, thanks for coming on. I know This is uh, first time being on the 8020 show. And Brandon, this is uh, this is your second time coming back. So you are a veteran now. Getting Cody on. That's a big feat. I told you he's gonna he's gonna ask for a pretty penny here. Oh, absolutely. We were we were talking about before because we were uh Brandon and I were talking about uh getting somebody else to come on board for this particular topic discussion. And so Brandon's like, Oh yeah, we're gonna get like the top tier people and Cody was the number one on his list. Thank you. Thank you. I wasn't um, the, the number one person I asked, but it was the only person that responded. Yeah, uh, maybe the one, the number one person on like the fourth list after he had already gone through the other lists. Um, no. Either way, I'm, I'm the only one who actually was interested in being on this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the number one person who said yes. <laughs> well, nevertheless, I really do appreciate it. And today we're going to do a topic conversation. In this case, we're going to be talking about pop music marketing used in rock bands. 
So, which is a very interesting uh, concept, which uh, Brandon and I were talking about what we wanted to discuss. And we, I really liked that, that idea because we are finding this blend of marketing between genres, whether it's from rock to pop music or hip hop and rap to rock or and pop music to, to rock bands. Like we're finding this really interesting blend of ideas and it's really coming up some amazing uh, creative concepts for not only for branding purposes in general, but for production and even just in general, how music is being marketing. So I want to start off and Brandon, I'll, t- I'll start with you first is what, what would you consider to be pop music marketing? What does pop music marketing mean to you? Um, I think like pop music marketing can mean a lot of things. Uh, there's the icky side of it to me that's taking place right now with like the, the TikTok marketing, which can be good and bad, but like the idea that there are artists out there that are truly just writing hooks for like the 15 second TikTok clip. Like I heard uh, the new Taylor Swift album, No Hate on Taylor Swift, but she was doing an interview where they were talking about uh, one of the songs that she was doing, like they literally thought in the chorus, like we've got to make this a TikTok hook, you know? And I guess that's cool. It gets it out to more people, but then you see these people coming to these shows and they're really just like there for that one TikTok hook and don't know anything else about it. So that that to me is the icky side of it. But the uh, the cool side of it is I do see like unpopular opinion, like pop feels like it's becoming more punk and like punk seems like it's almost becoming more pop because like you almost see like metal bands, um, for example, they've always lived outside of the box or even like especially punk bands. They're always outside of the box. There's no like song structure. They can record on like a little kitty recorder with like the worst gear ever. Like these black metal bands are literally like recording on these little 15 watt amps and everything. It can sound like trash, but it's going to have like a small dedicated audience. And then like with pop, what's going on right now, I feel like pop should be living in the box. Like pop is how do I get this out to the most amount of people and to generally like it, you know? Um, so they've got structured verses and choruses and bridges and it's polished production and everything. But what you're seeing now is like, you've got these pop stars that are putting out fairly low budget videos, like their presence online and on social media is just them pulling up and they're, you know, having a coffee at their kitchen table. Um, you're starting to hear a lot more raw vocals and things that they're doing that like, it feels like they're playing characters. Like, I mean, great examples to me is like Nicki Minaj or like Cardi B or Doja Cat. When they when they have a song, like it literally sounds like they're playing characters in their song. Like they have these different voices that really stand out. So you know it's them right away. And that to me feels like what punk originally was, was like you can stand out of the pack. So you're seeing a lot of that in pop music where they're making themselves feel more like I'm just a person and I'm going to be weird as shit. And people are going to remember me because of that. And then you see these metal bands and these punk bands are like, I can make money in this if I just sound this way and look this way. And it's kind of missing the mark entirely because that's not what metal and punk should be. Mm -hmm. Cody, do you feel the same way? What what do you think about that? Um, I do feel the same way largely, like especially about sort of like the the, the icky parts of it where, yeah, it is a lot of like uh, algorithmically trying to create art, but also um, just uh, pop music to me, it is... um, like it's it, it's really just about like staying popular and that does uh, have a downside, but it also has a positive side because it's a constant evolution. Um, a big like, uh, you know, the, the the opposite of the rock renaissance that we had in like the, the 2000s and early 2010s where they sort of like put themselves in this box where like this is what real music is. And then they made real music that sounded exactly the same and didn't go anywhere for over a decade. And they had the same formulas because they weren't embracing. It's just sort of embracing whatever is popular um so it's just the idea of like pop music marketing it's the idea of like you are willing to like evolve and change and stay ahead of the curve so it has a lot of pluses too 
think that's, that's super a, interesting. Like I never really thought about the fact that like pop music is constantly evolving. So like if you were doing what was pop music 10 or 20 years ago, it's not going to necessarily be pop music and hit today. Mm-hmm. So like the yeah. concept that like, even though it is like pop music sounds very different today, it sounds very different intentionally because they're evolving with what people want to hear today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like pop music, like back in the sixties, like uh, they were obviously rock bands, but like, Kiss, the Rolling Stones, we can call that pop music. Today, like Migos, Drake, it's hip hop, but it's pop music. It's whoever is at the forefront of like, who is marketing themselves the absolute best. And like pop elements, like there's, it's a genre, but it's also sort of like, just what is the zeitgeist right now? And then evolving from there. And you know, I'll give a Cody hell all day, but I will admit when it comes to marketing himself, Cody is like, top cream of the crop mount rushmore of arizona there's like four or five people i would put on that mount rushmore and cody's the one that's consistently out there even though i feel like you're not playing the most shows ever like putting out music consistently you're constantly like making people feel like they're connected to you and know who you are even if it's not just saying come to my show or listen to this new song thank you thank you um yeah like that you get eat it up all right, fair enough. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that and I'll sit with it. I'll just, I'll, I'll keep that in my pocket. <laughs> also, Cody, uh, I really want to jump off of what you're talking about, about, it, you know, constantly evolving too, because I mean, that's, that's very true, especially with pop music and for, for decades. Um, even, you know, think about the MTG, uh, sorry, MTV. <laughs> See, I'm a magic nerd, so I went to MTG, but MTV generation for music videos, right? Like when music was coming out during that time frame, they were already thinking about the music video, and how, you know, and how to make it interesting enough to make sure that it gets aired on MTV, because that's how most people were consuming music at that point in time. And so even though nowadays it's about you know, TikTok and about the hooks on TikTok, to me, it's a very similar concept is that where is the attention at? And then how do I captivate that attention? Mm-hmm. And in this case scenario, the platform is TikTok, no question about it. So you know, just like, you know, even not too long ago, it was mostly on Spotify. It's like, how do we capture people's attention on Spotify? And how can we, you know, capitalize on that, essentially? And that's a very pop music mentality to have. But that's how you also evolve as well into, you know, like, how do we get people to pay attention to our music doesn't necessarily mean devalue the music itself. It's just where do I, we need to go? And how do we capture that attention? To, so people are paying attention to what I'm specifically doing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like, uh, uh, sorry, go ahead, Brandon. No, no, go, go for it. Okay. Yes. Uh, like that is exactly the point because if you look at the mainstays of pop music, um, my, my, the, the big two, in my opinion, uh, and it, I think that's my opinions of fact here, it's Drake and Taylor Swift. If you look at what they were making a decade ago, regardless of the quality, what you feel about them, it sounds completely different. They yeah. are, they are always on top. They are always like looking at who is, capturing like this organic sound and they try to like hey like like push that forward both for the artists that are creating that sound and also writing that wave so like yeah it's it is the people that that evolve and the people who like like drake and taylor swift like you said um they sort of uh, like as soon as like tiktok started up they started like getting real tiktoky with some of their songs like they fully embrace whatever will keep them at the top and it does drastically change especially with how limited our attention spans are now like uh, Drake went and it was bad, but he made like a full on like dance EDM album. Um, and there's like, like the rock doesn't really do that um, or at least like popular like rock. But uh, now that it's they're, that they're finally embracing that and they're like, hey, we got to start incorporating other elements. We got to start doing different stuff. We got to start taking chances and stop being so 
I don't want to say the word pretentious, but it's definitely a synonym for it. Yeah. Um, just so like rigid in like the way they think. I think you'll start seeing a lot more of that in rock too, because I think a barrier for rock bands that typically do that was it started with four or five people in a room writing a song and then trying to get four or five people to have one cohesive idea and specify to like a 15 second clip of how this part's going to really, you know, go off um, is difficult. But now that a lot of rock bands actually start with one guy behind his computer recording a couple of ideas, mm -hmm. they have the potential to do what they're doing, what they've been doing in pop music for a long time. Mm -hmm. But that, that the key word, I think like you and Mike said, like the intention is so, uh, interesting to me because like when you look at like even 10 years ago the attention was on an album so a new album comes out and you've got 10 15 songs and i know we probably all can think of a few albums that like we waited on release date to get the album and we listened to the whole thing front to back and read the lyrics and then it went to like with spotify like you were saying mike it became like a single so it's like my attention is on this one single and then they'll slow drip me every couple months a new single and then like with TikTok, it's like my attention's on this 15 seconds of this song mm -hmm. that might not even be the chorus of it. Like that that Lizzo song that in a minute, I'm Anita, like mm -hmm. that part happens the littlest amount in that whole song. It's not even like the chorus or the verse or anything, but everybody knows that part. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's, uh, uh, that, that is such an interesting way to look at it because like the chorus, it's what keeps you coming back. Uh, and then like, sort of like that, this, I think it was in the second verse of that song or like it was a pre-chorus yeah. or whatever. You're right. It's not the most repetitive part, but it's what brought people to that song. It's what they repeated over and over. And then they get drawn in further by the chorus. It's sort of breaking down songs by like little like 15 second clips. And how do we keep people here beyond that uh like it's it, it's really like that is really interesting how like a lot of the choruses aren't the TikTok um like um sounds yeah. it's just a random part of the song it's where really do we cool. go from like a full album to a single to a 15 second clip how do we get even smaller than that <laughs> just one second it's just like it's just a sound and then just like oh that's a cool sound all right awesome. oh, i've got time for scroll next sound. <laughs> <laughs> But I think Cody made it... a date on Thanksgiving Eve. <laughs> so, <laughs> Cody, you made a really good point too on the fact, um, what you call it, about capturing their attention as well, like beyond that point. And I think that's also something really important to be aware of is that even when you grab that attention, is, is that what are you going to do with that attention once you have it? Because I think that's that's something we also have to be aware of as well is that you can have a really hooky 15-second uh, sound but if you don't have anything to back it up if you don't have a really solid single if you do not have a comprehensive album if you don't have other you know other forms of content that are, are of a quality that or even a destination for your you know for these new found fans to go to then there really isn't any kind of point you're just grabbing them they're like oh that's a cool hook but then they're just going to move on to the next thing is then it comes down to question of well then how how do i keep them how do I keep yeah. them so that they are now in invested into the things that I'm doing right now and also invested into what I'm going to be doing in the future? Mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious on Cody's take on that where I, like, I, I don't want to say we're in the same spot, but like, like I was saying earlier, I can't even remember if it was on the thing or not, but like, you, you're not putting out a ton of new music or playing a ton of shows. Like you're playing a show a month or every other month or whatever it is. And that's like American standards are very similar. Like we, we write a EP or an album or something. And then we go dark for like two years with new music. We're still playing shows, but like once, once we get attention, we don't necessarily have the follow up for it. It's like, well, go back and listen to all our old stuff. It's going to be a year before we put out new stuff. Like, mm -hmm. how do you feel about that? Like, <laughs> um, 
So personally for me, um, it is an issue where I, 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 I do feel like this current environment doesn't quite suit what I'm good at. I like to sit, I would love to just make a weird long concept album. And so like I make, I, I, I go into the studio, I have, I have a lot of unreleased songs and then I get in my head about like, expanding on that and dropping a whole project. And then I'm like, but that's not what's going to work. And so sort of ebbing back and forth, it's my own, and I will say that for me, it's not a, it's my own pretentiousness where I want to do like the, the thing that's not popular or very marketable. And then, but I know what the right path yeah. is. Um, so that's, I think a lot of people run into that issue. Um, and then you just sort of get pulled that. in both directions and go neither direction. Um, yeah. So that's just, yeah, that's, that's me personally. Like, uh, yeah, uh, find, finding a balance between that, like finding the, the, you know, the, the, the pop music, like, you know, draw people in with something catchy, something eye-catching and then keeping them. Cause like, uh, you know, you, uh, like, like Michael said, you can draw people in, what are you going to do? to keep them like why are taylor swift's and drake's fans so much more intense uh than um tyga came up with drake and now he's not doing anything doesn't have a single fan um uh, wow, yeah. like um just uh, i can't even remember like who came up with taylor swift she's been on top for so long but no one has captured that attention and stayed there for so long it's a mixture of that personability and, uh, and, and and like dedicating to like projects because they do have really long projects that are completely different sounds that they like put a lot of thought into, but they also have, you know, obviously they stay in like, like, like they just stay in the spotlight because they're willing to, they found that sweet spot of what they want to do as artists and what they want to do as business people. Yeah. And that's the most difficult part because I would completely agree. It's like, if we have a TikTok that does a little bit better than the rest or we post something online and it does really well, if we don't have new music and we're not playing shows coming up, I'm not the kind of guy that's going to jump on TikTok and just start talking about something random that, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, and because part of it is that whatever you call it, pretentiousness, I don't even think it's sad. It's just like, I don't want to put out something I don't have my full heart behind. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to half-pass put out something, you know, and, and then to get on and talk about nothing like, hey, I don't have a show coming up. I don't have a new album to listen to. So I'm just kind of rehashing stuff and waiting till I have something. Mm -hmm. That's that's difficult for me, you know. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, I I feel that. I also think that uh, the replayability um, from like an artist's perspective, like if it's just independent artists, we do get in our heads about like we don't want to keep rehashing the same stuff. That's the environment that we're in. Like uh, read like like finding ways to like keep the contents that we have made, finding ways to like be able to post about that multiple times. A year because like it like for our core audiences it might get tiring but um pop music marketing it's all about attracting more it's a very capitalist like not staying stagnant you always need to be growing so yeah. it's gonna be new if you post about your stuff that you have with limited budgets like it even if it's a few years old single pop music marketing it's finding different ways to present that idea if that's what you have and attracting new audiences and i say that but i don't do it um so take it with a grain of salt i know it's the right call um, yeah. i i agree with I think you we all just... know the right stuff to do it's just like to do it back to that icky word sometimes feels icky and also sometimes you got that like i mean we're talking about the song of come was like there's a lot of self-doubt too is like if i do this are people just going to get bored of it and say why is he still pushing this one thing mm -hmm. but you make a really good point and i think a lot of people need to think of it that way it could be something you put out 10 years ago to the majority of people, it's brand new, you know, mm -hmm. maybe a few hundred or a few thousand people have heard it, but everybody else doesn't even know it's a thing, you know? 
Mm-hmm. Or like Absolutely. like like um the sea shanty song, whatever it was that went viral for a while, right? I mean, like so there's there's so many examples of that out there where you like you said it could be a song that's 10, 20 years. I mean, look at um uh what was it the song the song that was played on Stranger Things, uh, running that up that hill. That's from the eighties, mm-hmm. right? Seventies, yeah. eighties. Yep. So and I, it made a mass. I mean, it went it went onto the t- the charts again, right? Or Metallica so, song that everybody thought was like a brand new Metallica song, and it came out thirty five years ago. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So finding a way to to repackage or reintroduce it in some form or fashion is another way to breathe life into really good music. And um, to to your point, Cody, about you know you know feeling like you know you could still do your what you want to do, like having like even like a weird concept album or things like that too. Not only trying to re- reintroduce older music back in, but also finding ways of taking older music and having a fresh take on that as well. So one of the things that we've done, which is, I think in general marketing, but also does happen quite a bit in pop music, is doing acoustic versions of songs, for example, um, is a big one. Um, doing remixes is a big one as well. Yeah. Um, so that this way you're reintroducing the song in a different way, maybe hitting, t- touching into a different crowd of people because you're doing it in that particular way. And sometimes production-wise, it's a little bit more straightforward or a little bit more quicker turnaround when you're doing something like that. So those are kind of other things that we have done. Um, anytime that we are, you know, our artists are involved in, um, in any kind of recording, like if it's a live stream or anything along those lines, we're able to capture that audio. I mean, that's, that's content may not be perfect, but you, Mm -hmm. you know, you promote it as such, like live at such and such. Usually if you put the word live in front of something or acoustic, you can get away with some of the production quality and, but still have something that is still, still substantial that comes out. Um, Case in point, one of our artists, we released uh, an acoustic cover song and the production was fine. I mean, it wasn't amazing, but it was it was good enough for it to be released. And it's their top streaming song. So you just really don't know. What's it going to take to get that acoustic version of Another Scar? (laughs) (laughs) A lot of Capri Suns. I uh, can't imagine the American standards goes acoustic. We've been asked it a few times because we used to... uh, when we were touring, we would go to like college radio and stuff. And normally like college radio, I don't know about now, it's been years, but they're super stoked to have anybody on as a guest, let alone if it's like a band that's normally not reaching out to them, like heavy metal, you wouldn't assume on a college radio station, but they would always ask us to do like acoustic versions of our songs. So no one wants to hear this. (laughs) (laughs) To to, uh, piggyback sort of off of this and like finding ways to like, um, like, re like repackage the same contents um both with uh, i'll again reference taylor swift like uh her re- releasing taylor's version of her albums like people went more crazy for just this album but again indifferent than they did for this out al- like i like like th- this album's doing great but people went absolutely nuts when she just released an album again and just re-recorded the stuff and did it a little bit different and also oh. like um, the resurgence of a lot of these emo bands that are like, uh, like you know, they're they're coming back swinging like Paramore. Um, I didn't, I was not a very like uh, emo uh, rock person. I was very into hip hop when I was younger. So like, I knew of Paramore. I appreciated Paramore. Um, that TikTok like trap remix of one of their songs. I can't remember specifically what it is. I listened to it like a million times. It was just a re someone did a remix and put like sort of like a trap like 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 trap like bass on it and like just trap production on it. And then I went and I explored Paramore's old and I became a huge Paramore fan. Just like finding ways to like repackage really old stuff into like current like environments. Like that's like like 
pop is really good at it. And like the rock bands that are sticking around and are still relevant like a decade later or getting relevant again, like that's that that is what is that that's the difference between like, you know, a Paramore and then like, again, some so, someone help me out with a emo band that's not relevant anymore. I wouldn't know <laughs> of them even back then. I did not going to insult <laughs> any of my emo friends, any of my emo bands. No, I will say I'm happier on the Paramore train because much like you, I did not care about Paramore at all when they were popular. Um, but I wormed my way through TikTok, I think, into just live performances. And I was like, Haley Williams puts on a better live performance than 99% of anybody mm -hmm. I've ever seen. She's Which, out yeah. here doing like emo pop and she's crip walking. Like yeah. she is, she has a really good understanding of what's, of what it is that people want to see. She's out here crip walking during Paramore concerts. I love, dude, I, her live performance is so awesome. Cause I was always like, um, was that fake? I think the fake happy album, I think that's what it's called or whatever. Um, After Laughter, sorry, After Laughter. Like I thought the album was fine, but I never really went back and listened to their, any of their old stuff. And then because of TikTok, seeing the live performances, I went back, I'm like, this is all great. Like it's all good. So I, I, mm. I really appreciated that, which I guess I'll give a second compliment to Cody on this. There are very few people that I see live where I'm like, this is like, it doesn't matter what you're into. You're going to appreciate this because of the live show. And Cody's like performance is absolutely one of them. Um, and that that's why like every like every time we have a chance to get any shows together, I'm just like, please put God Samaritan on it because I don't care if it's a room full of metalheads, they're going to appreciate this, you know? And I, I've said that like about you, about Trevor from Sundress, I think he puts on very similar, about Robbie from Playboy Man Baby, like very similar, all different styles, but like it doesn't matter what you listen to, put this artist on any show and people will vibe off that energy. And then they'll go back and they'll listen to it and be like, oh, maybe it's normally not what I listen to, but I appreciate it because of that. And that was mm -hmm. what I got from Paramore recently, but what I've always got from Cody with Cotton Thank you. One of the things that I do want to point out actually is for you, Brandon, and what you've done with American Standards, because uh, taking a lot of that pop music tactics, you've incorporated into your own project in many ways. And two of them I want to point out is one is you're talking about, you know, performance and so forth is that you've gone out of your way for your shows to making sure that it's a as diverse in genres um, as part of the lineup so that everyone can get a little bit of taste of different type of music. And I think that's something that's quite prevalent in pop music, again, to keep themselves relevant. We don't really see that too much in rock. Right. Mm -hmm. When you when you see like a rock show, it's like like straight up metal or straight up emo. Yeah. Right. Um, and there's not like maybe some variation, but not that much where you normally have... doesn't work well. Like when bands try to do it, when they try to everybody says, I want a mixture on our show. And then you get a mixture on our show and they come for the band that they want to see. And they either like miss the first few bands because they don't care about that style or they leave early. Um, but I've yeah, I've always thought it was very important that like if you bring the people the right energy, people will appreciate it regardless. Absolutely. And that's why like we'll have Cody on a show or we'll have Fairy Bones or Sundressed or Playboy Man Baby just because I know the crowd's gonna vibe off that. And so that, that's always been super important to me with American Standards is um, a lot of people might not like listen to us on a daily, but if you put us in front of a crowd, like I will do my damnedest to win over that crowd and make sure the people that wanna have fun are having fun. I can vouch for that because I've been to a number of American Standards shows. So I can, I can personally <laughs> vouch for that. Uh, the other thing too, and this kind of leads into um, your upcoming project, is also having um, other artists being featured on your own tracks. And I think that is also something I want to point out, because that's something that is very prevalent in pop music, but not always the case in, in the rock scene as much. And I think that's such a great way of not only 
to from a, an artistic and creative standpoint for having cross collaboration, but also for a marketing tactic as well. Because if you have, you know, for both sides, right, is if you have a guest you uh, coming onto one of your tracks, then obviously that guest is getting noticed from being on that track. And then vice versa is that get, that guest fan base is going to check out that artist too. So you're also doing this cross promotion by being featured on one of the tracks. Yeah, no, you're right. It's weird how often you see that in like hip hop and pop music, but very rarely in metal music and especially like cross genre stuff. Like I've, I've definitely heard some metal bands do it, but sometimes you can't even tell like who the guest feature is because they sound so similar to the actual singer. Um, whereas, yeah, with this, I had exact concept is like not only the cross promotion, but the idea of like we do this at our shows, but we do it in front of 50 or 100 people. So everybody else that doesn't come to our shows doesn't get that same experience. So with the, the most recent EP that we're getting ready to put out, each song I wanted to have a feature by someone that was drastically different than our style. So we can bring in that same vibe of like, if you dig this energy, you're gonna go listen to this project, you know, and, and hopefully like that too or appreciate it. Absolutely. We so- gotta get that Cody Milford bump that, uh, yeah, no, no, that that is uh, like another like just another great example of what we're talking about. Uh, just uh, just uh, the more that rock embraces like collaboration features like genre bending, like the more you're going to open up your audience, because if you close off, if it's like rock music is real music, nothing else is real music, then you're automatically just cutting off like 80% of your audience. The more people you include, uh, like like the like like a, a rap feature on a very, very like hardcore heavy bands, uh, uh, for example, like American Standards and I, like a lot of my crowd wouldn't go like seek out like American Standards, but like if I promote this and they love my intense energy and then the intense energy is put into this song, then they might go check this out because it is sort of like the same vibe, but also different. Like it's sort of like an introduction into something you wouldn't normally listen to and you people do find like as like rigid as they are and what they and what they think they like if they expand a little bit then i it, it they open it that opens up the door to liking something you didn't think you would yeah i think we talked about mike on the last uh, episode that we did together like the idea of being a bridge band is like so much has so much more longevity because when when you find a band that bridges you into something new for the first time be it like for me and i think a lot of people bands like lincoln park or like um, System of a Down, like those bands are just massively huge. It didn't matter what you listened to, you appreciated it. I can go back now, you know, at the time I was listening to, I was 15 and now in well into my thirties, I can go back and say, I still appreciate the hell out of Linkin Park or System of a Down and those types mm-hmm. of bands. But there's a lot of other bands that I got into after them that may sound equally as good, or maybe they're more technical or talented or had better production, but I don't have the same nostalgia for them because it's the first band that got me into it that really like, that lingers with me, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I think that's a cool, beautiful thing. If you can be an artist that exposes somebody to something that they didn't think they would like, but now they appreciate. Mm-hmm. At Lincoln Park, perfect example. I got really giddy as soon as you mentioned them because I remembered way back in the day, you guys, I, I think we all remember when Lincoln Park and Jay-Z like mashed like a lot of their greatest hits. And even as a hip hop yeah. head, as someone who didn't really like music like me and my friends we were like these lincoln park fellas they're all right um and i'm assuming on the other end of things um uh yeah the the lincoln park fans were like you know jay-z maybe not so bad 
Um, yeah. I, I, I like him. It was such a like big, and it, it was again, reusing the content they already had before that was even popularized. Um, and not just the features, just a full on, these are all of our big hits right now. Let's put them together and make this crazy cross promotional song that just adds a ton to our base. And Jay-Z, who is one of the best uh, capitalists of all time, in my opinion, um, which makes him great at pop music um, and just being popular, like that was a very calculated move that just really like didn't double their fan base, but like in one fell swoop, just hundreds of thousands of people who weren't fans of them, maybe even millions. I don't know, I'm bad at counting. They became <laughs> fans like overnight that they would have never been able to touch just making their music. Yeah, it kind of give them legitimacy in the hip hop and rap crowd, just mm -hmm. as with Jay Z for the the rock crowd. Because I I, could, I remember very much seeing the hybrid theory, like little teaser of um, of Chester singing that uh, that shut up part, you know, just yelling, screaming at the top of his lungs. And someone who only listened to metal at that time, I was like, this is awesome. Then I got it, and I'm like, this is a lot more rap than any other album I've ever owned, you know. So I showed my buddy that I've known literally since kindergarten and said you may like this. It has like fair amount of rap on it and hip hop type mm -hmm. vibes, but also rock. And he didn't like rock at all. And that really, that honestly, that's what got us both into the middle, like that bridge. And then he ended up playing bass for my very first band. And that's, I mean, now we've been doing it for 25 years. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like that's the, just the, the, the blending and then just the willing to, the willingness to collaborate like that, that is that it, it, it just, it, again, it opens up so many more doors. Um, okay. And I can keep ranting. Mike, do you have anything to add before I keep ranting? No, keep on. This is great. Okay. You're doing my job for me. Um, so go for it. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so for example, if I look at like, who is uh, just sort of like at the top of the mountain in Arizona right now, as far as marketing goes, in my opinion, it's dropout Kings. And because they have touched on so many different, like, like, like no, no one's going to say that dropout Kings don't throw the fuck down or throw yeah. the heck down. Uh, no good. one's going to say that uh, <laughs> dropout Kings don't have legitimate rap bars. They have so much for everybody for, for like a, like, like just so like so many avenues so many lanes if you like music and you like hype music of any kind you're probably gonna like dropout kings and that's yeah. why they've been able to ascend a lot more than just the the exclusively rappers the exclusive like like bands like they've just reached this another level they found their own lane and they just decided like this is this is what we're doing it's not one thing it's not another it's just suck yeah they just went ahead and almost like yeah they crafted like their own lane almost. I know uh, new rock is, uh, or new metal has been a thing for a while, but like they- Well, I think even the fact that it's been a thing is kind of a, another bridge because they've got the bridge between genres, but they also got the bridge between the old heads that like listened to Linkin Park and things before that. And then now people that are just getting into like the second wave of new metal that's coming out. So they've, they've got that bridge too, which is the best thing they could possibly have. But it also comes with like a lot of like, high highs and low lows, right? Because I mean, I remember they they signed to a, a very metal label. I think it was like Nuclear Blast or something, mainly old head crash bands and stuff. And there's people that absolutely loved it because it sounded like nothing on the label. But then a bunch of old people are like, oh, I've heard bands that sound like this. And I think that's what you're gonna get when you're doing something different or unique, or at least different than what people are doing at that time. Mm -hmm. Because you're going to have a lot of people like at a show where you and I play and you've got a, a God Samaritan crowd and you've got an American Standards crowd, there's going to be some God Samaritan fans that absolutely hate what we're doing, but there's also going to be some that like may see us for the first time, be like, oh, this is actually pretty cool, you know, and, and vice versa. 
So I think no, you... not vice versa. Everybody loves what I do. <laughs> no, of course, no. <laughs> I did hear that far none, far none across the crowd. But no, I, I do think it's like it's just one of those things that if you're going to do something unique um, and get yourself in front of a, a stretch crowd like that, you're going to take a little bit of hate and you're going to take some extreme love. But the people that love it are going to be people that are way different than someone that's seen the same type type of artist play that same type of set before. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, Dropout Kings is a great example. I would also put them up there with one of those bands. It's just like uh, we played with them two or three times, and every time we played with them, like the crowd goes ballistic the entire set. And it doesn't matter if they've seen them before or not. It seems like they've been to a hundred shows, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, and something that I had uh, like wanted to address early on. I think this is a perfect like segue into it. Is um a lot of like 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 what rock music is now starting to embrace that pop music has sort of like. Uh, understood it makes them a lot of like money and uh, so they, they they craft that the personability of like the the band itself or the act itself like I've never met Adam Ramey Adam Ramey feels like he's my best friend um, because he's so approachable personable he uh, like like uh, a lot of like rock bands uh, like they did that thing where they wanted to hide the sh hide in the shadows and be mysterious um, yeah. and they made great music but if no one like like if you were a, a mysterious specter um, who like you, you in, in this day and age, being a mysterious specter doesn't work most of, uh, unless you like really catch lightning in a bottle. The approachability yeah. that's pop music, like the devotion, like they, it's a, almost a parasocial relationship um, where like pop artists, like they have very devoted fans who feel like they're very connected to this artist. Like this artist means something to them personally as a person. So like what Dropout Kings, like every time Dropout Kings like announces something really cool, again, like I've met uh, Black Cat Bill like a couple of times, uh, but we weren't the best of like friends. Like we, like I knew him, but like we never like, like we never like hung out outside of like shows and stuff. Adam Rainey and never met. Every time I see them win, it feels like my friends are winning. Like go yeah, those guys. pretty underdogs. Yes. And that's, that's because they've really embraced the pop music tradition of like being personable and like making an effort to connect beyond the music. Like, yeah. like they're, they're very likable as people because they present themselves like they, they, to the world. Yeah. What a while, like it's such an obvious concept, but it is like when you look, especially at like the, the grandiose, like seventies, eighties, nineties rock and metal bands, they were all about putting on this persona of being larger than life and not being at the level of these, like, you know, of their fans, basically. Um, mm -hmm. But you're right. Pop pop artists and probably the most successful rock artists are the people that's just like, this is someone I'd go have a beer with. Like Post Malone is a great example to me. It's like, I, I don't care too much about his music, but the dude seems like the coolest dude in the absolute world. Like I would mm -hmm. go hang out with Post Malone any day. Oh, yeah. Like last mm -hmm. time he played Arizona, he was wearing a Gate Creeper t-shirt and he was playing beer pong with Chase, their singer, just like, you know, a local metal band. <laughs> And uh, it just, he seems so personable that it mm -hmm. makes you want to root for him regardless. Even if it's not your style, it's just like, I can go close, dude. He's awesome. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna, case in point, just jump off, off that. I feel the same way about Post Malone, where Post Malone, I'm not a huge fan of his music, but he's a huge Magic the Gathering player. And I, I, that's why yeah. I made that little slip before. It was really funny. Is that I'm a huge Magic player. So to me, when he actually did a, a collaboration with Wizards, and they had special cards that had like his drawings and signatures on them that were like specially designed cards for the for the game. And I thought that was such a brilliant collaboration on his part yeah. because I have now, even if I'm not a fan 
of his music, I'm now it's still on my mind now about Post Malone. So it kind of worked on both angles. So it mm-hmm. kept the game relevant, but also the same token, it's also showing a different side of Post Malone. You know, is more this like nerdier, geekier side of him. So I know yeah, I'm not a fan of his that. music or magic, but I'll buy those cards just right. because I think he's awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes, that, uh, yeah, that is uh, 100% on point. Just the, the, like, again, and that, that, that expands, like, even beyond the features of music. That's, that's basically the equivalent to a feature with a brand, like the Magic yep. the Gathering Post Malone collaboration. Because, yep. like, on, on the opposite end of things, like, Post Malone did a lot of promotion format, and it's not like either of them desperately yep. needed it, but there are a lot more people who would have never given either of them a chance that now are more willing to like get into it. Like that's like just, yeah, that, that is again, pop, like, like pop marketing, opening up as many doors as possible because everybody who comes into those doors is welcome. Post, hell, Post Malone has a branded beer pong set that you can buy at Walmart now. And it doesn't feel like an icky endorsement thing or anything. It feels like that's, yeah, that's 100% Post Malone. Like he's not putting his name on some like tires or like something like that. He's putting his name on, like he's always drinking his Coors Light and playing beer pong. So it makes sense. I, I think the bottom line is, and, and to kind of wrap this whole thing up is that, you know, however marketing tactics are going to be using at the end of the day has to be genuine. And I think yeah. that's the most important aspect, right? Is like, even if you're making, whether it's a 15 second hook specifically designed for TikTok, um, whether it's, you know, cross collaborations of any kind is that it has to feel genuine because if it doesn't, most people are going to feel, uh, see through it pretty quickly and it's, you're not going to get any kind of longevity or really any kind of growth. So you can use these tactics to get attention and especially from a new crowd. But if there, if it doesn't feel authentic and it isn't authentic, it's not going to really yeah. go anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great yep. point. Yeah. Yep. And it takes, Often. I think, you putting yourself out there to show that you're more than one dimensional and you're online, whether your personal socials or, or your, you know, artist socials or whatever. Like, you have to know more than just like, this is a band that plays this style of music or this is a person that likes this one thing. I think the most successful people are the people that feel like very rounded, you know, because I see people in Arizona and other states and stuff that I follow too that like, I don't really know much about them outside of their band, like their band is their identity. So when they do anything off that, it feels off brand and it feels disingenuine. But when I see anything that Cody does, it feels on brand because I feel like I know a little bit about Cody because what he posts online and how he is online, you know, or when I see something from, you know, any number, like I said, like Robbie or something from Playboy Man Baby, he's doing like um, ABBA dance nights now at like Valley Bar. And that seems so on brand for him and it's helping him push that, but also push, you know, Playboy Man Baby and it doesn't feel disingenuine. It doesn't feel like, hey, I'm just trying to get some people that listen to Abba to also listen to Playboy Man Baby. No, mm-hmm. it's just Robbie, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely. All right, so we'll we'll wrap it up here. So thank you both so much for jumping onto the show. This was absolutely fantastic. I hope everyone listening got something out of this. Um, but yeah, well, and we'll throw in the notes um, how people can check out both um, American Sanders as well as God Samaritan. So thank you both so, so much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thank thanks for, for having, having me. It was awesome to do it with Cody. I feel like mm-hmm. I need to have you both over at the home bar sometime. Deal. Absolutely. Let me know Done. when. Cool. Hey, have a good one, guys. Thank you so much for listening to the 8020 show. If you haven't already, please subscribe or follow. If you enjoyed the episode or this podcast overall, please leave us a review or comment on our socials. 
which you can find us at 8020records on pretty much all platforms. You can also check us out on our website at www.8020records.com. And as always, be happy, be healthy, and be productive.